uh, reviving the ancient Greek lira should be for everybody, not just for a few. And this is what we yeah. try to do in the first place. And also step by step in order to apply them, maybe you can see it already in the Ciclo YouTube channel, also with Stoic philosophy and meditation, which is also something really, really interesting for me because mm-hmm. it's also a way to express ourselves, let's say, in fast in the fast world that we live in and you know yeah. all these troubles. And also in the other way to give the space and the chance to musicians from all over the world to present their music outside of the idea of what is commercial, what is widely accepted or not. In this episode, I'm talking to Theodorus Kumartis, who is talking about the revival of the ancient Greek lira. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. It's so lovely to talk to you, Theodorus. Nice. Where, where are you now? I'm in Vienna. I'm in Vienna. You live there, in Austria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, where are you Where do, are you based? I'm based in Thessaloniki. But tell me, how are you connected with the Lyra? Uh, my father is a luthier, Anastasios Kumardzis. is actually uh, the person who is uh, reconstructing nascent Greek musical instruments along with my brother Danis. My yeah. brother Danis is also a professional musician. And uh, I started to play the Lyra some, some years ago here in Thessaloniki. I used to play different kinds of string musical instruments. But the last year I focused more and more to to the playing of the lira. Uh, with my family, we have collaborated with Aristotle University of Thessaloniki and Hellenic University of Greece in order to be able to reconstruct these ancient musical instruments. And also, almost seven years ago, uh, we have founded the Siculo Museum, which is actually an interactive uh, museum of ancient musical instruments here in Thessaloniki, when also the Siculo YouTube channel and the Lyra Academy, where someone can actually have classes to learn how to play the lira um, from all over the world. This is actually the first worldwide platform to learn how to play this in Greek lira. That's amazing. But what was the inspiration to um, reconstruct the lira? Uh, actually, from one hand, it's, it's that my father used to make a contemporary Greek musical instruments. So he already have some experience regarding constructing. That's actually, this is his hobby, because by profession he's a vet, a veterinary, so he he's making musical instruments the last 20 years wow. as a side, yeah, yeah, as a side project for him. But uh, since our childhood, we have, even though we have actually were three three sons, I'm the youngest one, uh, we have actually had music since our very very early life, uh, being able to play different kind of musical instruments during my childhood, but most important to have my father playing the piano and other and the guitar and guzuki and other musical instruments here in Greece. So it was actually a constant inspiration for us. And um, during my the second master degrees of my brother Nikos, uh, he proposed actually the idea to reconstruct ancient Greek musical instruments. That was actually actually was he he won the prize actually about his the. Um, how you say that, about the innovation of his idea and how he would like to propose these musical instruments uh, in the, not let's say for museums, but mostly to present them as uh, contemporary musical instruments that they have their own proper sound and step by step people would start to play them and you know start to compose music with them. So yeah, my relation with Elia started almost 
maybe 10 years ago, started to play the lira step by step and try to apply different techniques of other street musical instruments that I had experienced with in the past. And the last five, six years, it was actually, uh, I studied mostly the nine string lira, the lyra of Orpheus, it's a kind of, of a helis. And uh, during the last years, we are trying to travel all over the, the world in order to be able to to mix, let's say, the, the sound of the lira, sometimes with a DJ set, like the one we did with with Yorgos, DJ Dest, that we also had the chance to present this work almost three years ago in Singapore, but also to perform with artists from all over Europe, like Francesco Riotta in Sicily, Palermo. We also had a concert like three weeks ago in Raconinci, a place in Piemonte, actually, in the north of Italy near Turin. And also with uh, musicians from all over the world, like uh, Sandy Mango from France. We collaborated also, we participated in a music instrument exhibition in near Bordeaux. This was like three weeks ago. And now next week we're planning to go to Berlin in order to film some videos with Singo, a Japanese musician who's playing the kanun, Valentina Belanova who's playing the baroque flute and the ney, uh, Yael who's playing the, the flukhorn, and a group of uh, vocalists named Perpenua we were actually singing in a polyphonic, let's say, vocal group, songs from all over the Mediterranean area, but also from, from Greece. Wow, that's amazing what you've achieved over this time. But now initially when, uh, it, so it's your father who built the, the, the Lyra. And where did he get the information from, um, to, to exactly. know, to make it, you know, the, the way it's supposed to look and sound. The, the main references that we have from this time is actually iconographic. So when we actually collaborated with the University here in Thessaloniki, is our main idea was to have access in all kinds of depictions that we have from, from antiquity. In some um, occasions, we do have text references as well because of the ancient Greek mythology and there is some part that, you know, when they describe how Hermes got the first turtle and then step by step started to make the first Helis. Helis in ancient Greek, Helon and modern Greek literally means the turtle. So he actually literally talks how he sacrificed the turtle back in time. So, yeah, we do have some puzzles, let's say some parts of the whole image. We don't have everything. So this is also the reason that anytime we make the presentation, both here in Thessaloniki, but also from another places, is that uh, what we are trying to do is to have this kind of um, attention and assumption in order to have an idea of how it sounded like, knowing that in our times a recording or something like that would be the best way to be sure about this. Of course, we don't have recording from the ancient times, but what we're trying to do is there is this kind of balance in one way of the academic part in order to be able to use the word reconstruction and also to, you know, to have all this kind of uh, collaboration with universities, not only here in Greece, we also have collaborated with museums all around Europe, in order to be able to have this kind of balance from one hand to preserve and present what we, we know. And then the other stuff, uh, from what we don't know, let a little bit ourselves to be, you know, to be somehow influenced and inspired from, from the ancient Greek life, because I think that it's not only musical instrument, but it's also a symbol that goes back in times. And you know, the fact that there was a god of music, a god of music, god of the arts, and the god of the light. This is how we find the word, the description of Apollo back in time. This shows a lot about not only how important was music for them, but mostly how 
it was actually a practical thing, something that someone would have to to apply day by day. And this is something amazing also to see the work of Pythagoras, the work of other, you know, very important mathematicians and philosophers. Philosophers, how they actually apply this kind of knowledge in this musical instrument. So for me, it's a little bit beyond than just this musical instrument. Yeah, but now you say um, that the instrument was part of everyday life. Uh, was it true that most people could play the lira then? Was it, yeah, was actually, it something that children would, would grow up with? We have, uh, of course, to remember that Greek antiquity is not like a very specific, it's actually a little bit longer than someone can actually expect. So we talk about hundreds of years, but the majority of the times we talk when we listen to people talk about, you know, about uh, classic Greek antiquity or the golden century of Pericles, the 5th century BC, which is actually the peak of ancient Greek culture. Many times we talk about the result of it, let's say the, how, what these people actually managed to put together, because it's not only the matter of technology that we nowadays consume as the most important thing, but also of how someone could actually um, mix, let's say, different kinds of sciences that back in time were considered to be like one. So back in time, yeah, the 5th century BC, we do see that the two main pillars of their education was the first one that we read a lot about it in, you know, Greek books, Nusigis and Somatigi, that if you want to have a healthy mind, you need to have a healthy body and vice versa. So you need for both boys and girls, they would have to practice a lot in order to be able to go to war, right? To go to be able to to defend themselves and defend the, um, the Polish cultures, the place they were coming from. The other pillar of their education was music. Music back in ancient Greece was considered as a science and not only as an art wow. like nowadays. Mm -hmm. So this is also reflected um, the fact yeah, that people that, you know, someone who could not play the lira was considered simply as an uneducated person. There is also this kind of anecdote talking about the Mistocles that uh, if, if I remember correctly, that they were sitting all of them around in a table and they were actually having this kind of conversation about something and someone stood up and said, you cannot say something because you cannot play the lira. Mr. was a famous, you know, warrior and many, many yeah. other things back in time. And according to this anecdote, he left the table embarrassed. And this shows a lot about, you know, how this was considered something like very, very important. And of course, on the other hand, a little bit about, you know, the educational system, because nowadays we, I assume it's the same in Austria and Europe, maybe in all over the world and also in Greece, that we have this idea of learning everything until we get at the age of 17, 18, and then have time to focus. Back in ancient time was completely the, the opposite. So you have to be, which is also very, very important, you know, the idea of keeping our body and our mind healthy. It's something that unfortunately we're not taught in the school. So later on as adults, adults, we have to face it in different ways on our personal life, on our working life, or how society, you know, is constructed many times not so fair in a fair way for, for all of us. So yeah. yeah, music used to have this kind of um, relief for everybody. And this is also for me something that makes music so interesting and what we do that because it doesn't have to be if someone is a musician or not. It's, if someone wants to listen and you know, give a little bit of space to the others in order to, you know, to, to connect. You know. But mm -hmm. also Gotermis back in time was the one who invented the musical instrument, was also the god of communication, the only god who also had access to the underworld. And they also the one who would bring the messages to the gods, to the humans and vice versa. So the idea and the symbol itself shows a lot. Also the Apollo, what I said before about the light, 
for me, it's completely uh, the way that back in time could actually be able to describe something that is closer to our nature. Also, the idea of coming close to the nature, to, to the mountains, to the seeds. I believe that back in time, people would have a very clear idea about this, while in our days, we lack a lot of a lot of this. I mean, yeah. I see yeah. many times people around me with a mobile. I know that if you give me an address right now, I can go outside only with my mobile and my, you know, my my card, and I can access and go to a place, let's say in Austria, without talking to nobody because I have all the information I need in there. But at the same time, if I go out of my my house here in the place I live in, the Saloniki of my apartment. I cannot point to when there, uh, there is the north and when there is the south. So I cannot actually even orientate myself. Yeah. And this is not something that it's like a small information. No, this is something important. I mean, we have to to use any kind of information that we have from our ancestors and in a way to use any kind of uh, knowledge and information they can give us in order to be able to, to recognize and be aware of where we are now and where we want to, to go somehow. Yeah. No, that's that's really true what you're saying, and um, and I'm just thinking that how if, if your dad built this lira, how easily was it um, for other musicians to be interested in it, to you know, to to take it where you t you took it now, where you do concerts, but how what was the steps that you had to take to make people or to convince people that. This is really an instrument that that can be used and can be uh, played in concerts. It's a question. First of all, you need patience for that because, as you can imagine, people can come in presentation or things that you do, and they can ask whatever they feel like. Sometimes they, you know, they just go with the instinct, which is for me the best thing to do to go a little bit with instinct. But also, in the same time, the way to let's say to. Um, put what we do in the in the level that we want it to be, it's something that needs a constant work, not only for my father or my brother Nikos or my brother Danis or for me, but from all of us. The good thing in our occasion is that everybody of us could have different, actually have different kind of skills. So for my father, his main, you know, idea from the first moment was to, to make this instrument, to make also other instruments like the guitarra, where he actually proved that, you know, a movable yoke could also be something possible, which is totally outside of, you know, let's say what academics would expect. But from the other hand, this is like an amazing asset for a musician. And given the fact that this musical instrument, the ancient Greek guitar, was played by musicians back in ancient time, this could be an answer, let's say, for them. Uh, there is no, like, I would say, like a, a path for us from the start. So we started to actually each one of us to focus on what we were good at and, you know, be bet getting better and better on that. For example, in Greece, there is this kind of idea that the luthier knows more about a musical instrument than a musician, which is a part partially right, because, you know, many luthiers here, they say that if I make an instrument for you, you have to accept that it is because I know and you don't. Yeah. Which is for me and also for my brother was something that was we were never accepting this kind of answers because also my father came from a different kind of uh, let's say field of studies. So for him, Luthery was from the first point an area of experimentation, an area where he would like to to try things, to listen to the instruments, and in order to do this, in order to make this kind of development, you need to do it with musicians. And in order to do this again, you need to have this kind of space and patience in order to be able to understand why 
Petra, for example, that has longer fingers, I mean, it's like wider space between the strings, where Theodore, that is, uh, let's say, relatively left-handed, would have to adjust the instrument in a different way. For us, this was always a challenge, and also it was always a challenge to bring this information out in the best way possible. This is also why the work of my brother, Nikos, on uh, the academic research, let's say, it's something that was very, very important for us because anytime that we would have this kind of presentation, people would come and would, you know, would have this kind of access to information that we have worked with the university, and this is something that we, we actually we constantly work on this. I also make my master's degrees on a different subject, but also similar with regarding uh, the acoustic of Venetian Greek Lyra. So yeah, we, we started step by step to find different ways to promote this work, but in a way that is not actually different as, let's say, being someone, the master who knows and someone who is the ignorant or someone who is looking for something. Yeah. Totally the reverse, to, to accept the fact that we don't know so many things, we know just a few. And the most important way to make these things work is to communicate between each other and help each other understand. This is also why it's so interesting when we make this kind of the gift of God, it's actually a two-days festival where psychologists, um, music therapists, mostly from the United States, but also from France, amateur musicians, uh, professors in the university and also in the secondary school from all over the world, they actually come and they present how they found some something they were looking at in the Greek mythology or ancient Greek music or for me, it's also it's regarding it's also applied philosophy as well. It's not only the one or the other. So after a while, if you put all these, let's say, small steps all together, we actually managed to to actually to to found to make a music musical community. This is how I see it, and this is how how I like to listen to people to behave to each other because you know, having the idea of how small our work is in what we are trying to do and which is something bigger than us, let's say, as unities. But at the same time, it helped us go a little bit further because uh, reviving the ancient Greek lira should be for everybody, not just for a few. And this is what we yeah. try to do from the first place. And also step by step in order to apply them, maybe you can see in the Red Encyclo YouTube channel also with Stoic philosophy and meditation, which is also something really, really interesting for me because it's also a way to express ourselves, let's say, in the fast, in the fast world that we live in, and you know, yeah. all, all these troubles. And also in the other way to give the space and the chance to musicians from all over the world to present their music outside of the idea of what is commercial, what is widely accepted or not. I believe and also my family and my brothers, we strongly believe that there is space for any kind of music, uh, as, as, at least if it's, you know, if it's if it's true and if it's coming directly from the from the artists, no, from the people who want to express themselves and get something out of them and communicate with with other people. But now, um, who are the musicians who are interested? Who did who did you find who? were interested in the lira? Was it, uh, say, people who, who are, uh, play harp or guitar or violin? Which, uh, is it people that, uh, musicians that usually play string instruments? Are they interested in the lira? There is a little bit mix of everybody, actually. There okay. is some occasions that people come, yeah, by a harp, who harpists, who yeah. want a small instrument to be able to travel with and also to be able to, you know, because the lira, it doesn't have so high tension on the strings, so it's a little bit smoother, the sound of it. And also, you have the leather in the soundboard that makes it sound totally different way with many other string musical instruments. 
On the other hand, the Lyra herself is a pretty simple instrument to play with, being mm. not tuning specific scale. Yeah, yeah, if you would have a Lyra right now in your hand, you would be able to form easily chords and small melodies without having any kind of musical experience. This is why for me, a Lyra is an instrument that's totally approachable and also an instrument that many people, when we do, you know, workshops for kids, they just come there, they touch the strings and instantly they have this kind of emotion and, you know, this kind of feeling of, yeah. of the sound of the Lyra. On the other hand, there are also musicians, like for example, Arnorwa, who actually used a Lyra and a Kithara for the soundtrack of a video game named Humankind, who actually came out like some months ago. Also Marco Beltrami, who used it for the soundtrack of the remake of the movie Ben Hur. This was like seven years ago. And now, yeah, there is another guy also in Germany who is working for the soundtrack of a video game, who is going to use these instruments there. And also Raji, another project that happened in Asian India, was also actually, the whole music was made for a friend of mine, Linus Jealous, here in, in Thessaloniki. And we, are, we actually mixed in some of the songs of the soundtrack of the video game, the sound of the lira, of the sitar, of the Armenian duduk, which is also another flute from Armenia, also very, very interesting. And yeah, I think that the music, after all, has to do about this, what we have in common instead of what we have apart. This is what we need to focus, especially in the times that we live right now, that we need to have this kind of, you know, of idea of have something like, like something good, no? Something like a hope or something yeah. like that things will get better. But now you say it's a, it's not a difficult instrument to play and, but is it a, an expensive instrument to to buy because if I think now if it's it's easy to play, isn't it so wonderful that many children can now have the opportunity to play an instrument and and it, the lira is not a big instrument, um, so it's it's easy for them to have that. So um, what about uh, what about the cost of some uh, of a lira? Before my father, you know, there was there were just a few luthiers, like one or two of them in Greece one in Spain and just a few of them in all over the world, that they have this kind of idea that these instruments needed to be really, really expensive in order to be able, you know, to be played from for museums or from, you know, masters of the instruments or collectors, you know, like just people who have money in order to afford it. Our idea from the very first, sorry, moment was to make this instrument truly available for everybody. So someone who could actually be able to buy a guitar or a contemporary musical instrument could also have access to a lira. This was actually our first idea. Of course, in the meantime, we also had the, the vision to be able to, to do what we do from Greece. We never thought to be, and what we do actually our workshop is in Evropos, which is also only 50 kilometers in the north of Thessaloniki, the place where I was born and you know, spent all my life until I came here to study in Thessaloniki. And we did it, this by purpose, you know, it's a small village of 2,000 inhabitants and we wanted to create and make everything in the place that we were born and in order to be able also to give this kind of opportunities to people who live in our village instead yeah. of just living to go to live in bigger cities. Of course, now with the Ciclo Museum here in Thessaloniki, we have like a, another point of interest, right? In Thessaloniki, where visitors come for different kinds of tours or for making videos almost every week with musicians here. So yeah, for us, this was very important. And also this is why we we do have this kind of access. You know, many times people send us an email to ask, there are so many leaders and I don't know which one to choose. And 
which is there is no such a thing as a perfect lira for everybody. I would say that any instrument that someone feels comfortable with, this is the instrument for this person at this moment. Personally, I used to play with a lira with 13 strings back in time, a lira of Olympus. Now, the last 40 years, I'm studying mostly the nine string lira of Orpheus. And I think that some, in some point in my future, also, I will try to play with another musical, you know, different kind of a lira or a pandura or a pigonio. Mm. So it's like a constant set. So, yeah, an instrument, our idea is to make them, and this is why also we have this kind of community nowadays. It's not an instrument that is made for people that they have money or, no, no, it's actually, I, it's an instrument for everybody, actually. Yeah. But now, um, uh, it's, can somebody come, say, for example, and learn how to make the lira? Do you have that a possibility also? Make, um, actually, we don't because our workshop is small. There are like four people right now working. It's my father, my elder brother, and two more um, luthiers helping them. Um, it's not yet because, to be honest, the idea of how to make the lira is something that someone can do with any kind of materials that they can find everywhere. And this is what they did oh, back in if you have this kind of, of course, you do not use a turtle cell. This is why we use CT prototyping and 3D scanning, you know, like technology in order to be able to use them. Uh, no, we don't, we, don't, we don't focus so much on how to make these instruments. We focus mostly on how to play them because this is, let's say, the most accessible part that we mostly focus at. This is why we give these workshops here in Thessaloniki or also the Lyra Academy, but also we organize them like three times per year and you know, we invite people to just come and listen and play to this I find this such a beautiful project you know and I, and I I do think the fact that it's an a instrument that's easy to play in and like I say it's it's not a big instrument that I can just see how that can be enrolled in schools and children can start from there you know and and build the confidence to play and and the love for music um I, that that would be a wonderful wish that uh, you know that something like that can happen. And it's actually, you, yeah. yeah, the things that we have achieved the last three or four years, you know, like three years ago, we had the chance to listen to one of our leaders being played by Yanis Psimadas at the ceremony of the Torch of the Light of the Olympic Games in uh, Olympia. This was something, you know, like beyond any kind of dreams that my father or me or my brothers would have. It's something that, you know, will stay there. We say it as a story here, as a, as a joke, that it's a story that we will say to our grandchildren, let's say, really? that, you know, one, one of these liras coming from our, you know, humble village managed to arrive there being played by musicians and be able to be exposed all over the world as a symbol. Of, uh, in the yeah. Also, the fact that we, the Lyra Academy, also used to be like a, you know, like an idea some years ago. Nowadays, we do have a powerful community. People with Lina Palera teaching there, with Anasis Klopas, that we have also made a wonderful collaboration with um, Aliki Aliki Marcatonato in Athens, with George San Cristoforo in Italy, with Fabio Esposito, with. Many, many musicians, some of them playing the lira already a lot of years, some of them just starting now, that we're trying to find ways to, to collaborate and communicate with each other. And for me, once you can settle this kind of base, which is actually a little bit spontaneous, but in the same time, well organized, let's say, because this is something important what we do in order to have, as you said before, we need to have this kind of top quality in whatever we do. And because, yeah, most of our work is 
you know, people actually can see this instrument mostly through internet. You can imagine mm-hmm. that a lot of people in the States, in Japan, we have sent instruments in around 30 countries around the world. So, yeah, when someone cannot visit you, especially during these last two years, right, you have to be extremely careful in everything and, you know, always find a solution for the musicians. So, yeah, being a musician ourselves is always the way that we wanted luthiers or other people to treat us. This is how we try to treat people that come close to us. And as I said before, it needs patience in order to take it step by step. But when this is established, you, what I realize is that the more and more people that come closer to us, they do have this kind of filters and this kind of, you know, mindset. Because this yeah. is something of more yeah, philosophy, you know, how you see things. Yeah. Now, I can already see in my mind uh, all these little school children with the lira and the school bag <laughs> going yeah, yeah, to school. Yeah. This will happen. happen. No, no, I'm I'm sure about this. We had the chance to present like three years ago in uh, Ville Greek Kerylos. It's actually a replica of an ancient Greek house in Bolyosumer. It's a place near Nice in the south of of France. And when they came, you know, 200 children in almost one day, one evening, they were just, you know, a small workshop and then a concert. The feedback was there. I don't. I don't think that there is something missing of the whole image in order to be able to to get in the schools and get everywhere. For me, it's just a question of time. And also, by the way, we are also now working on some books about this: the books of Lina and some melodies and Thanasis Cleopas and also some melodies of mine. Like uh, you know, because there are a lot of people that have the instrument, but they want to to play some melodies that they have listened to our YouTube channel. So we actually start to make these books in order to be able for them to be able to play with these melodies, to able to be able to find different kind of rhythms on instruments with nine strings, eleven strings, thirteen strings. Everyone, of course, from his background, someone more traditional way, someone more classical way, some someone in between, you know. But for me, there is there is space for everybody right now, and everybody who has the idea to collaborate, I think this is a good moment to to, let's say, to yeah. join our forces and make make it, you know. Because you need now also teachers to teach the, the lira. And how easy is it for a musician who, who can play an instrument to adapt to playing the lira, for example? I think that someone, a musician, would actually be able to play the lira very, very fast. Anybody who would have access to a piano, would have this kind of experience, would find the lira as a first approach, let's say, something really, really easy. Of course, later on, to, you know, to use the plectrum, to play the harmonics, to cross, to make different kind of techniques. For this, yeah, you need some time, but it's also, you know, we... we yeah, yeah. So, so this, the teaching and the whole thing will evolve as, as it, it's, you know, as you evolve also with making the instruments and putting it out in the world. It's something that we are working at, to be honest. We are just a small group. Many people think about us. We are like, you know, hundreds of people behind this one for this. No, it's it's just the fact that we have different kind of abilities and also that we try and we collaborate with more people apart from my family that they do have this kind of vision and mindset. So, yeah, some years ago, this would be, you know, totally outside of our imagination. Now it's something that is already happening. For me, it's a question of time, let's say one, two or three years in order for the lira to be able to be presented everywhere. But again, what I said before, for me, it's very, very important to for this to be done in a proper way. 
this is also what we need a little bit of time because I don't know in Austria, but here in Greece we do have a lot of you know memories from the conservatoire, from the music school that many times people and teachers there go just to have a job and not to you know to communicate to pass the torch, no, to pass the light and do what they do with passion. And many times this thing instead of you know give courage, it's taking out the courage of young people. So. For me, yeah, the idea of getting the lira inside the school is something really, really fascinating as an idea. But again, it's a question of, I wish that someone will do it with the passion and the love that we do it. So yeah, this yeah. could be, you know, to pass it on. This is for me the, the most important mm. thing. Yeah, it's true that you say, um, you know, that sometimes children are, they stop playing instruments because it's of the way it's been taught. And maybe also uh, the lira being, um, uh, an instrument that they can easily play or learn or that it's also the new something new that that new sound that they hear and uh i love the sound of the lira it's so beautiful I mean, really I mean, yeah oh, definitely for me it's, it has to do more to focus to the verb play yeah it's this is why i mean i cannot imagine i don't have children myself i have to nephews, but I cannot imagine myself saying to a child that this is not a way to play it or you play it in wrong. No, it's about playing. If you play it and you put your attention there, many times you don't even need a game or whatsoever. You just put your imagination. And for me, this is what the Lira can do, actually. Mm -hmm. Also, the meditation is, is the fact that you can lose yourself by playing, by being able to interact with a musical instrument, with some strings that they can actually help you focus in the moment, be present and then let yourself express step by step with whatever tools you have at this time. But for me, this is the most important thing. And I totally believe that if everybody of us could play, not hours, but five or seven or 10 minutes, the lira per day would, I think the world would be slightly better. Yes, than what it is. yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I spoke to a, um, a musician in South Africa who brings music to the farm children, you know, the children who would otherwise never have the opportunity and I mean they start with with flutes you know uh, uh, these recorders and to just to bring it to the children and I'm thinking this is also something that it can be taken to all the ends of the world uh, this instrument and give children the opportunity to play. Yeah it's something that for me it's totally inspiring I mean yeah. I'm sure that yeah, it's something that it goes also beyond, you know, many times they ask us, you are Greeks and you are more connected to this and this is yours, etc. We do have the chance that many times we can read some texts and also, you know, the orthography or the words that we use sometimes they do feel in a different way, let's say, even if we listen to them in English or Spanish or French or whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But for me, the Lira and the message that the Lira brings in something that is, uh, it's about humans. I mean, I... I totally believe that any person in Australia, in South Africa, the North of Africa, in Asia, wherever, it's actually about music and everybody who has two ears and can listen to it and be able to, for me, this is all about and also to take a little bit out of, of, the, of the way that we carry everybody was of us because of our job or of our, the role that we have to play no, in our lives and yeah. let ourselves a little bit express and, you know, get this kind of feeling and communicate this feeling with the others. For me, this is something really, really 
important. So yeah, I, yeah. I believe that this could help also children. And also when we make a presentation for me, it's not about the happy part, right? When you feel happy and you yeah. want to have joy, this is something really nice also to play music. But for me, the most important thing is that when you don't feel right, when you don't feel fair, when you, you feel that the world is totally against you. And in this moment, instead of taking any kind of other decisions about using, you know, alcohol or whatsoever, take an instrument on your hands and play five minutes or 10 minutes until your feelings and your, you know, it starts to calm down and then, you know, be able to talk about this or write up something about this or communicate like, like we do now, right? Oh, you are so right. Now, I think this is, yeah, 100% agree with you there. But now, um, what is your wish for the future? Uh, in what aspect? Well, if you would, if you would, uh, regarding with with your lira, with um, with anything, you you what what would be the wish for you? I wish that um, more and more people would have actually access to music in their everyday life, and that there is a little bit more space for music that is created in the moment, a little bit more authenticity, if I can. I can describe it in a proper way in English. So there will be space, not for only for famous artists that they, they are everywhere, you know, making everything to move and, you know, no, 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 for everybody. I totally believe that each one of us have something to express, has something to, to communicate. And if we share this kind of energy, I'm sure that later on we will be able to, to pass it on. I mean, once we close now our laptop and the way that we talk, that you, you, you will talk about something that we discussed about. So now we'll talk something that we discussed about and then step by step, we start to spread the message about how important music is for us. And also not to forget what I said in the start about music, arts and the light. That for me, this is something that during the last two years, not being to go to concerts, to theater acts, it's the first time that we realized how important art is for everybody. Without art, nothing can move and nothing can actually lead to something okay we, we do work we do have our lives to live we we do have to you know to fulfill all this kind but this is not what life is about yeah. this is like a step of it we have the chance to focus so much for this that we forget of where we come from that we are just passing from here and we are going to return what we were before and if we can do something good for the people that are around us Let's do it without having to find an excuse, without having to, to show to other people, just do it. And yeah, music is one of these ways to do it, to, to help each other, you know, to remember that we are not alone in this world, even though we are, we born and we die alone. Yeah. yeah, but you are right to say that, you know, it's not just, it's everybody can play and everybody can bring something. And, um, and I think there's sometimes this misconception about it can only you can only do it when you do it on that high level or you know when you when you play in some great concert hall but it's also good to play an instrument even though you cannot play it at that level you know so um i totally agree with you there yeah for me it starts from being sincere with yourself i mean if you are sincere with yourself and you can take out your feelings and embrace them somehow and express them once you get this kind of uh, feeling about yourself then you realize that the people around you once you do know how do you feel and you do want to share it that there are more and more people that will come closer to you and will share their feelings with you and then you we will all accept our vulnerability and how you know how 
how how easy is for our lives to just go out and you know just to accept that we're just passing from here and yeah, to to share this to to pass it to pass it on. Yeah. Now, um, I just have one last question for you. Do you have yeah. a shout out you can do to a restaurant or a coffee shop in your area? What uh, can you a can shout you, out? Is it is there a place you visit regularly that um, you want to name? A coffee uh, shop or a restaurant? Yeah, yeah. Here in Thessaloniki, I really like. There is a place called Mkrifrida, small Frida. It's actually a very small coffee place in the very center of Thessaloniki that they make really, really nice coffee and they always have really nice music and some tables in the sun, you know, we, we love the sun here and we just love to go somewhere and sit there and, you know, just look for the sun and discuss like we do now all the time. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is a nice place I would suggest here in Thessaloniki. And another place that we are going to perform some music this evening, actually, it's a place named Bensusan Han. It's actually a historic place here in Thessaloniki next to Sikilos. That yeah, yeah, that has some really, really nice and cool cultural events happening. Happen, okay. And also, if you ever come to Thessaloniki, you or any friends or any of your of the people that are watching this video right now are more than welcome to come to Sikilo Museum for a tour to to have a little bit, let's say, oh wow, yeah, interaction with all these musical instruments and you know with more artists that we we collaborate. Yeah. That would be great. I would, yeah, I think that would be so wonderful if people go and, and you know, just see what you're doing and, and explore and, well, and spread the word. To, we also want to make it into Austria this year. We were going to go last year, last August, there is a place named Karnutum, which is, I think, near the borders with uh, Slovakia or Slovenia. It's actually in the east part, let's say, of Austria. And we want to make it this August there also to present our work for the first time in Austria because we have never have never yeah. been there. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And and what about Vienna? You have to come to Vienna as well. We have, we have to. We've oh. never been there. We've been to some places around, but never to to Vienna. And I'm sure there will be, I mean, we have shipped instruments there and I'm sure there are people that are uh, uh, totally interested in what we do and we, what yeah. we can do. Yeah. Oh, no, definitely. But this was so lovely to talk to you now. And um, and let me know when you come to Vienna. That would be, yeah. I would love to meet you in person. Of course, of course. Yeah. Thank you very much we, for the interview and for the, the chance to, you know, to share a little bit of what we do with more, with more people. That's a pleasure. I find this project extremely interesting. If, yeah, if, if there's anything you would like to let me know about, I would really um, like to support you in this in this way. This is really wonderful. Great. So have a lovely afternoon, and I'm sorry that I uh, interrupted your lunch. No, don't worry. I finished before, and now I have my coffee, so everything is fine. Okay, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> okay. Nice. Speak Thank to you, you soon. Okay, bye. Bye.